I'm your host, David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. But not today. Today we're talking about Better Squawk Saul's third episode, covering Better Call Saul's fourth episode of season six, its sixth and final season, titled Hit and Run. In it, we include both the reaction and full episode breakdowns. Don't worry, I'll let you know when the next one comes up. In the meantime, please, 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 first, enjoy this episode, and second, remember to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead to let us know if we're on the right track with these Better Call Saul breakdowns. We really want to know what you think, what you liked, what you didn't like, but let us know after every episode so that we can communicate with one another. And remember to include your socials so that we can post your rating on social media and tag you. Without further ado, here is the reaction to Hit and Run, Better Call Saul's fourth episode of its sixth and final season. We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh, and most times we go deep. We're going to talk about Better Call Saul, episode season six, episode four, Hit and Run. The first thing I want to say is... In our coverage of episodes one and two, I asked if you thought Kim thought Jimmy was weak. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of got validated at the end here when Mike said that he thought she was made of sterner stuff. And then when she volunteered to not tell Jimmy that Marla was still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe she does think he's a little weak, which is uncomfortable <laughs> for me. <laughs> it makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Ooh. Well, she could also look at it like, you know, he needs me. He's just a little baby, baby criminal, and he needs me. <laughs> sweet angel baby Saul. <laughs> sweet little angel baby. <laughs> Throwing baby shade. Yeah. Yeah, she's like trying to protect him, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I don't that know. Never I, I don't know. No, because you should know. You should know if someone who maybe is just going to pop up and come after you like an insane person yeah. is going to maybe I pop mean, up. I feel like even, you should know that. Even if you have somebody watching out for you as somebody as good as Mike, but even Mike said they're stretched then. Did Mike also say that Kim would not see those guys again? Because after I heard Lala was alive, I'd be like, um, they can go ahead and follow me. That's cool. I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. What, what he said was just pretend like you don't see them and eventually you won't okay 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 now i think he was saying like they were going to be a little more discreet because obviously that was like <laughs> right well no. my, my feeling was like he's like i'm gonna get some better dudes on you because obviously <laughs> i did not expect it to be mike that had people tailing them i that thought was, it was a shock forward. i didn't either yeah i was genuinely shocked by that and also kind of at the very end here because you know i'm like racking my brain thinking like who is watching Gus, and it just ends up being Gus is watching himself to make mm-hmm. sure that he's, like, safe, but it is kind of giving us the, a peek into how paranoid he becomes oh, about everything. Super paranoid, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell right away that those guys weren't cops. Like, they didn't look like cops over there, but I'm like, who yeah. else would be, like, who was organized enough to be spying on who, like whoever like in a big we didn't know mm. who it was at first I'm like, who i thought it? maybe i it? thought maybe it was the cartel for a while i thought maybe the yeah cartel. because they do have reason to suspect him i mean even if nacho cleared gus i'm sure the cartel doesn't 100 percent believe them and i know the salamancas don't yeah and also clearly gus loves a secret tunnel slash bunker 
<laughs> it's his jam. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a secret tunnel? <laughs> well, I mean, it, Lalo, Gus, just another reason, just another way they're similar, I guess. Bad guys, they got, gotta have an escape route. Always gotta have an exit. Yeah. I loved how funny this episode was. Like, it's been a while since we've had a truly funny We've had a couple of snickers here and there, but since in the, since uh, since we started season six, but this one was truly funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you needed like a brain and a heartbreak after you just like needed like I just need you to dress Jimmy up as as Howard and then and then uh, struggle I just need that. struggle with a metal sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really the hair that got me. Like the tan was so good, but like that hair, I just. And then Wendy just staring at it like it was like a <laughs> dead animal on his head. <laughs> She's like, I like it. <laughs> I really like your hair. <laughs> I love that they brought Spooge back. I don't know if you guys remember the Spooge episode of Breaking Bad. When Jesse goes to the, the meth house and the little boy is there and he sits with the little boy. For a good chunk oh, of the day. And then his parents, yeah, yeah. the little boy's parents come back and it's Spooge and I can't remember the woman's name, but she keeps calling her skank. She's like, I ain't a skank. And eventually she crushes his head with the cash machine. That yeah. part I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was Spooge. So we got two Breaking Bad cameos. Nice. Today. Wendy and Spooge. Two of the high class of Albuquerque. Right. <laughs> yeah, the class, the class of Albuquerque, <laughs> definitely. I mean, remember when I last last week I kind of joked about how Kim went downhill really fast in three years. Well, Spooge apparently has gone down pretty fast in three years because he looks a whole hell of a lot different in Breaking Bad. <laughs> He's way worse off. Also, a good theory on Wendy coming back and like being involved in and in all of that. That I mean, I can't really take total credit because. Kim said her name in a clip, and I was like, wait no. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you caught it, though. Yeah, so I am I was excited about that, yeah. That was fun. Everyone knows it's Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I take notes, because now I don't know what else to talk about. Well, I don't know that we need to talk about a time. Yeah, it's yeah, just I mean, it's quick just reaction. like initial feelings of, yeah. you know, how, how the episode made us feel right so, off the bat, and anything yeah. that jumped out. Um, just, there was a lot of a lot of pieces to this episode too. Like I kept yes, noticing, like were. it was just like yes. this and then this and then this. And, like I'm definitely uh -huh. gonna have to go back and and watch it again which, because a which, lot happened. Considering that it was ninety percent focused on Jimmy and Kim, it really was a lot of moving pieces. Well, I mean the other people were in it, but it was majority right uh, Kim and Jimmy. Yeah, and I just I loved her meeting Mike. Like that is like the worlds colliding that kind of was, thing. You know? know, yeah. When she's I heard so his voice, smart. I was like, yeah. "Yes, yes. <laughs> yes." But yeah, she is, and she's so intelligent to be able to put all that together. Mm -hmm. That was impressive, very impressive. And then also to remember that he was someone that really ultimately would have been very ignored, right? As the parking you know? lot attendant. And kudos to Ray Seahorn. Kudos to Ray Seahorn for directing. Yeah, this was this was uh, a great episode. This yeah. was a great episode. I mean, the writing was phenomenal because the jokes and stuff were just over the top ridiculous. But yeah, it was it was very well performed. Yeah. So yeah. she did she did a great job. A little callback to season one, episode four, as a matter of fact. It's Dave, no. Dave, slap the episode title across um, your face during that part. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm constantly impressed by your knowledge of the episode titles. So. 
in the episode 104 here <laughs> is the one where Jimmy dresses up as Howard and makes the billboard with Howard oh, with the, the JMM. Yeah. So this was actually this is yes. 604. That was 104. And he had to do the girls on the top. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one where the guy fell off the off the fucking sign. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's the first episode where we kind of get a little bit of hint that Kim is not totally against the whole slip in Jimmy business because she and Howard are watching the news coverage of it. And Howard's like, oh, it's all a scam. And she's just like, you know, smiling. <laughs> like, a little smile going on, you know? Yeah, because she's, yeah. like, she's like aroused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn right, it's a scam, baby. <laughs> we, know what, we know what gets her going. <laughs> I thought this was fucking great. It was funny. It was tense. It had a oh shit moment. It had a hell yeah moment. I'm going to reveal something super embarrassing and then you can all have a good laugh over it. (laughs) So you saw how excited I got when we saw Michael Mandel's name in the opening credits. Okay, first Uh of all, I'm I'm, I'm a little pissed that his name is still there. (laughs) He's not going to be in the episodes. Don't play with my heart like that. Like, (laughs) you can't do that shit to me. But... That's not even the worst part. So <laughs> I almost don't even want to say it. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Do you want to stop recording before you keep going? <laughs> no, no, no. When we see that little tunnel thing that Gus is going through for like a hot second, I was like, oh, it was all fake and he's hiding that. <laughs> oh my God. You're me. You're me. He's going to be okay, right? He's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the gun was fake, and and they had like a thing. They put a thing, and and they pushed the button, and then it went. Bleh. And then the, gu- the gun was never loaded. <laughs> yeah, it's just a squib. It's fine. Oh, obviously <laughs> that was not the case. I love. And that. then I immediately was like, oh, uh, felt like no. an idiot. <laughs> I love that eternal optimism, Rachel. <laughs> That's great. But his name was in the credits, so honestly, like, I kept expecting it. I kept expecting to see it. Like, honestly, in the, like, at first, I'm like, okay, obviously it's going to be a flashback scenario, right? Mm-hmm. That was what but I was I, thinking. But I did, I did, like, kept, I kept waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel a little empty without Nacho. Right? Yeah, like, you're missing part of the story. I kind of love this new couple that was introduced that is, like, the yes. Kelmans 2.0. <laughs> yes. Just bitching about house colors. They're so mundane in their conversations. And then, like, I love that we see them again and they're just working on a puzzle together. What I love is how they're just totally oblivious of everything. Like, it's totally normal. They're just wandering through the house. Everything's totally... Like, they don't even acknowledge when Gus comes out of the wall. Like, it doesn't even surprise them. He just... It was... Yeah, it was funny. They kind of reminded me of, like, if the Kettleman's and Cliff Main, like... (laughs) 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 If Betsy and Cliff had children, (laughs) (laughs) what do you think of um, Cliff going for the whole pro bono idea? I feel like that's going to be a monkey wrench in their plans. Kim Mm -hmm. is going to be like, wait, wait, breaks, hold up. Maybe we don't want to go through this because I'm about to get what I fucking want. Somebody paying me to do pro bono work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now uh, I don't need you to be a criminal anymore. Right. So just be yeah. better. Tone down the shady shit. Go be the rat. <laughs> Go be the rat, Jimmy. Go yeah. be the rat. Yeah. I hated how sad it was to see him alone at lunch and at lunch because we've seen him like have such like 
yeah, his connections have always been like, they're like, oh God, this guy's such a scumbag. But they still like dealt with him. So it really, it really made me sad to see them lose that relationship mm-hmm. with him. That's like what the ADA that he's talking with or the public defender, whatever that guy's mm-hmm. name, name is. Uh, when he's he, the prosecutor. When he puts it kind of all out there, it was like, oh yeah, like shit. I was trying to think, I'm like, why is everybody so shitty with Jimmy? Did yeah, did Howard yeah. and Cliff like fucking blow something up? Yeah. What, what the fuck? And then I was like, well, of course, of course, ADA Erickson went and spread this shit around to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. that's her first her first battle plan to get Jimmy on on board. Yeah, turn everybody and, uh, against him. Turn everybody against him because you know Jimmy wants to be loved. Uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. Jimmy wants everybody to love him. But I love how, despite all of that, at the end, he's still like, no, it was a great day. Yeah. Because he got to be the ultimate slipping Jimmy. Well, he got, all, got those all these clients. clients. <laughs> yeah, he got all those clients. Yeah. All those upstanding citizens. <laughs> Which kind of proves Betsy's point. You're the kind of lawyer that guilty people hire. There's that prophecy coming true, because that's pretty much what he is. Oh. <sighs> That's really all I have to say about it. Well, I have one last thing to say. What kind of asshole moves a cone? Moves a cone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And exactly. just and scene cut. That's <laughs> that's the hashtag <laughs> cone movers. Oh my god! Right? Who moves a cone? <laughs> and with that, guys, gonna say good night. Thanks for joining us, and join us later in the week for our in-depth version where we really talk about it. That's it. Good night. Bye. Bye. That's it. That's the end. Bye. So you got the reaction, folks. But here's the full episode breakdown of Better Call Saul's fourth episode of its sixth and final season titled Hit and Run. Hi, I'm Bridget. Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do. And so do I. I believe until proven otherwise, every man, woman, and child should hear this podcast. And that's why we talk to you, Internet. Better Squawk Saul. I think the first thing we should talk about in this episode is the fact that it was directed by Ray Seahorn. Girls get it done. Yes, she did an amazing job. I would never have known it wasn't one of the regular directors doing it she received um a lot of accolades online too i don't know if you saw so many other actors were so impressed with the work she had done so that was really incredible can we finally get this woman an award right <laughs> an, emmy, an emmy i mean how can I, it just blows my mind that she's never even been nominated i thought for sure after season four after her blow up with howard over jimmy like i mm-hmm. thought for sure she would get nominated for that she didn't get nominated for lalo for going off on lalo how did that happen insanity Where's the Price is Wrong sound? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good. (laughs) Wait, we've had practice. The opener. Our our lovely couple riding the bikes through the through the neighborhood. I kinda saw that as almost almost like Jimmy and Kim. There's this (laughs) juxtaposition between these people doing everyday mundane stuff they do every day and then they go into their home and there's people with guns and they're surveilling it kind of also makes you wonder how long has this been going on that these people are just so absolutely used to and oblivious to this and i have to think that with the construction of that massive tunnel and everything that this has to be something that was set up long before the lalo situation because we know it hasn't been that long since lalo disappeared or died i mean what is it been? Maybe yeah, a week like- at, at the mo- yeah 
So, I mean, I yeah. doubt seriously they, they built that tunnel and had all that set up within two weeks. And those people are so used to it. So this must be something that's been ongoing f- for quite a long time. Right. Yeah. He yeah, probably yeah. had it set up in case of the, like the feds wanted to kind of like monitor him or something like that. Like they had the decoy in and everything like that. So, yeah, I feel like Gus is just that paranoid too. Yes, the FBI and Lalo and any of the Salamancas or any unknown enemies that he doesn't even know about either. Like once I found out it was Gus like spying on himself, I'm like, that actually makes so much sense. I would want to spy on myself too, right? Because then I have people watching and they can see if someone is breaking into my house while I'm at work or if somebody plants something in my backyard or you know what I mean? So I thought it was genius. I just hope that like one day I have enough bad. money to have a secret tunnel in my house. Right? And a body double. <laughs> That's what I want. Those are my life goals. He's too good A secret good tunnel and a slide that goes from the second story down. But anyway, Can I just yes. get this one thing out of the way? Because <laughs> I didn't recognize the couple from the beginning at the end where they reveal the tunnel. So I'm thinking, oh. I'm having like a Bridget slash Rachel moment where it's like, oh my God, is this like meth R&D? Like, because it's puzzles, right? Oh and like, God. it's just, it's just like Gustavo Fring to do like meth R&D to make sure these guys aren't tweaking too hard on his product, right? Because this is what I'm thinking as he's going, this is a, this whole room has puzzles. puzzles. Oh my goodness. And board games to keep these meth, meth R&D test subjects occupied. And wow. And but here's the thing. I might not even be wrong. Maybe that's how this all works. Like these are well-functioning meth addicts. Like going about their lives, and and it would be typical of Fring, high class meth. Dave, I'm going to stop you right there. That's uh, not I, a, that's not a real thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Meth, meth addicts. He's They're okay. Not. He's okay. <laughs> He's put a bandaid on it. He's okay. <laughs> There's mine of the week. Okay, just leave me alone. <laughs> you get one. You get one. There's there it is. And never again. <laughs> Till next week. The other thing I thought was funny was they're riding through the neighborhood and they're dissing the, the red house. Oh, I, how will the HOA let that happen? And meanwhile, they've got armed guards and drug dealers staking out in their house. Like, yeah. Yeah. What would the homeowners association think of that? Yeah. Let me put a, put a, let me put a word in Barb's ear and see what happens. Put <laughs> a bug in Bob. Yeah. Uh, a bug monitoring. Uh-huh. Let me ask you a question. Did you, yeah. did you get the distinct feeling? I'm not hundred percent certain. Cause I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the first episode again, but I was like, Oh, that's like Jimmy and Kim or Jimmy Saul Goodman's house for a second, like a hot second. I'm like, could that be, have been it? The one they were watching? Uh, the one no, they were the looking red at? house. Yeah. The re- no. Oh, the red house. I don't think so. You know, I don't think that's... You talking about Saul's house at the beginning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, I was like, maybe, but then I looked at it and it doesn't look anything like his house mm-hmm. at all. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I knew it wasn't the same house, but the thought did cross my mind. That's tacky enough that Jimmy would like that. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Some sort of, I, like the house I itself actually, in the first episode was a priest egg for that. I don't know, whatever. I actually thought it was positioned on the lot very similar to how Chuck's house was. So I thought for a second, like somebody was like rebuilding and repainting uh, Chuck's house. Uh, could it have been that. Chuck's house? I don't think so. No, Chuck's house was burned. No. Okay. Well, I yeah. mean, you know, it's yeah. been well, some time. Right? They should have gone know. with Adobe red and not <laughs> yeah, right. Chuck engine red. Not tomato <laughs> Or tomato. Red. Tomato yeah. red. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Barb. So the, that couple, the Ryman's, they're married in real life. They're a real life couple. Oh, it's so nice. cute. <laughs> that is so cute. And the song that was playing while they're riding through the neighborhood 
is a song by the Dreamliners, and they were one of the first integrated bands in the 1960s. Oh. Oh, wow. That's a I, cool know, I looked that up, too, and I did not find that. That's cool. Huh. I got that from the Insider Podcast. That was not me. <laughs> oh, credit where credit is due. I wanted to say something else, though. They mentioned the Westlakes in their conversation in the kitchen. Westlake is a reference to Breaking Bad. Westlake High School, mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay. Isn't that cool? Right. I, I was like, oh, on a lark. I was like, Westlake, Breaking Bad. Burp, 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 burp. I th- oh, hey. I think, that's- I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of those mm-hmm. things toward, as yeah, we get towards the end right. of the season. Technically, we had three Breaking Bad cameos in this in this episode Hmm. okay so also on the insider podcast they talked about how they filmed the interior and exterior of gus's house and the other house so the exterior and the upper floors of both houses are real they are the actual exterior and interior of the houses the basements and the tunnel of course are a a set but they built it so like so they could do the shot where they go through the tunnel and everything so they actually built on the soundstage the two basements (laughs) with the tunnel that goes in between it and they were like talking about how it was shaped so strangely, because they they built it to the actual shape of the um, of the path that he was taking in it. I wanted to pay attention, and maybe maybe you did. Maybe you can tell me. Obviously, we can say the Rymans are like his neighbors, but do we think that they're living beside him, or like could they could they live behind him? Did the tunnel go like they specified on the Insider podcast that they oh. were next door? Oh, oh okay, okay, oh, okay, so, right, okay. I right. just from the angle. That it was like shot at? I thought they were like across the street for some That's reason. That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It was hard to tell which yeah. direction he was walking. Right. Mm-hmm. Or left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or left. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice how irritated Gus seemed to have to be wearing the bulletproof vest and the ankle holster? I did notice he fidgeted with the ankle holster. I didn't notice so much with the vest. Same. I, I don't know. I guess I thought Gus being who he is. He's he always probably should that. be wearing a vest. Yeah, he should always <laughs> yeah. have a vest. But I, but I did notice him kind of fidget with the with the ankle holster, like tucking the the butt of the gun up and then taking it off, like, and then put, yeah. So I, I did notice that. I guess yeah, I didn't notice frustration, but there was a very specific look on his face when he is undressing and he's like adjusting the bulletproof vest. He does mm. kind of just like stop and sigh for a second, like this is my like, life ugh. now. <laughs> Well, you know, he chose it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of consistent with his orderliness and like almost obsessive compulsive tendencies. Everything has to have a system. And so this was outside of his system, or at least the ankle holster might have been. Mm-hmm. So that alone irritates him. So it might not be that he's even paranoid necessarily, but just this one thing that's outside his routine just annoys him to fuck. <laughs> oh, I think I mean, he's I, I, definitely I paranoid. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, don't take me so seriously. <laughs> it's hard to tell when i can't see your face (laughs) (laughs) but down to him adjusting the shirts you know oh is the shirt placed so that's Mm -hmm. that's that was the giveaway for me it was like okay this is outside his routine he's not comfortable so similar to kim when she's waiting for cliff at lunch and she's adjusting the menus and and adjusting where she's sitting and and where she's Mm -hmm. sitting and moving the menus around which and am i in the right you know is this the best way for cliff Cliff to see see what's going to happen and It was just another expression of another nice. expression of how perf- what a perfectionist she is too, right? Mm-hmm. And how and even the way she sets the phone down under the table, like right, right next to the post. I know where it is. It's right. Yeah, yeah. Everything mm-hmm. just so. Just another example of the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Mm-hmm. You think we're wicked? 
We'll get back to that, I suppose. <laughs> she was she was very genuine. I don't want to jump ahead, but she was genuine. She couldn't hide it. Gus is paranoid because of Lalo, of course. We haven't seen Lalo since the first episode of the season. I feel like Lalo is going to Germany to look either for Warner's men or maybe to for, to find Warner's wife. Mm. But I, I think that's where he is because Ooh. he can't go back to the U.S. He, I mean, he can't. They're after him there. And he can't stay in Mexico because everybody thinks he's dead. That would be the perfect way to be found out. And he wants to find proof. And the only proof I could think of is going to Germany. Who was the little shit? That there was the one was who always, kept getting yeah. like instigating stuff. The healthy yeah. one. Kai. Kai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think out of all of them, he might be the one to. I, well, I don't know. The, the the big guy was pretty pissed too. I I don't remember mm-hmm. his name. The really big tall one. Kai might be afraid to talk because he's afraid Michael come and kill him. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Val- Val- but I don't know. I mean, Lalo's intimidating too, though. <laughs> And yeah. charming. He might even yeah. be able to win him over with charm. He over. might use the carrot opposed to the stick. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when the carrot doesn't work. <laughs> Can you think of any other theory of where no, I mean, might be? If he's not able to get to Jimmy, which would be like his other option for like proof, I don't see where else he could go. That makes a ton of sense to me. I'd be surprised if they won a different route with that. Well, I thought it was Nacho, so I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, you and I, you and I will live in the world where Nacho lives. Right? Yeah. Nacho's, Nacho's still alive in Gus's basement in a secret room, and they're just hiding him. Till he he's just down back. there doing puzzles. It was all fake. Yeah, he's just doing puzzles. Yeah. He's doing puzzles, testing out the meth. Right, testing out the meth. <laughs> yeah, in case you missed it, watch the reaction video from the last... From our immediate thoughts. <laughs> always always entertaining. Yeah, that's why you gotta watch everything. Do you guys have anything else you wanna say about the Gus Lalo end of the storyline? Mm. I honestly hadn't thought of it really. Just because all we wanna talk I... about is Kim and Jimmy and yes, Howard. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I know. I, yes, I, I don't even wanna think of I don't even wanna think of theories for Gus and Lalo though. Like I I I want I just wanna sit back and see where this goes. Lalo doesn't make it to breaking bad, does he? He's mentioned. Mm-hmm. No. He's mentioned. He's he's mentioned in the same like scene that they mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned in the same scene where Nacho is mentioned by Saul Goodman out in the desert when Walt and Gu- uh, Walt and Jesse kidnap him. They have a hood on him and they have masks on. And um, he's like, uh, it wasn't me. It was Ignacio. And that's Nacho, of course. And then a right. couple right. of seconds later, right. they're like, we're not from the cartel. And he's like, Lalo didn't send you. So... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That sounds very present tense. Yeah, that so does hash, still sound very Lama much. Lives. <laughs> Good Ooh. Good be. Oh man, I hope I hope Lalo doesn't find Gene. <sighs> <sighs> that would be frustrating as hell. I, well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Hate that asshole. <laughs> the Salamancas are super prominent in Breaking Bad, and I can't see that with all the shit that was going on that Lalo isn't. And they're unless, taking care of Salamanca business, mm, unless he's some yeah. like far away somewhere. Unless else. he has to stay out of, so he can't get extradited. <laughs> what if he's in like Russia or wherever? Like, Maybe he's still in Germany. <laughs> you know, and that, so. that's kind of like an interesting point because if you think about it, if they leave Lalo out of everything, like, and he somehow makes it out of the series scot free, this is a good setup for future series. You know, like Abraham Ford says. Loose ends make my ass itch. 
So we got to scratch that well, itch, you know? I mean, I know they keep talking about doing prequels, but these people are getting older and older. So, like, it's only going to be believable for so long. I would be fine right? with just with a sequel at this point. That would be really cool. Because there's been talks yeah, about doing, like, alive. a Gus a Gus prequel even to this. They so, talked about a Kim Wexler spinoff, too. But it would be a prequel, too, probably. Well, yeah, hopefully uh, they won't announce it before the end of the series. And then we can I don't know. Enjoy it in peace, like we're meant to. Maybe well, Kim I mean, and Lalo. I don't know. I think, I think there's a little. It's, it's a little bit like everybody's talking about the the Breaking Bad universe is going to kind of do like the Walking Dead universe and and have spinoffs and branch out. But there's a lot more room to branch out with a zombie story than there is with a drug cartel story. <laughs> like what? Yeah. What are we gonna? Are the spinoffs just going to be about? Drug dealer, and I don't mean the prequels, like, but if they just do like spinoffs, like Tales was gonna be like Tales of Breaking Bad, and they just gonna have like various drug dealer tales. Like, I don't know. I just don't feel like that would be as, as viable. I'm to my as, PayPal now. As the... Bring back, bring back Arlo. <laughs> no, fuck Arlo. Bring back Nacho. I want a Nacho. I want a Nacho prequel. Who do I give my coffees to? What? <laughs> Howard pulls up to the psychiatrist's <laughs> office. God. Oh, God. Oh, listening to God. horrible music. Oh. Horrible music Excuse he's listening to. Excuse me. The great... Yeah, it's no. terrible. Sorry. <gasps> For shame. The blah. <laughs> I love how when he walks into the office and he sits down and he, he's like unbuttons his top button. Like, he's relaxed now. I did my top <laughs> button. I'm all relaxed and ready to talk, you know. With this fabric tie. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. It's casual <laughs> Friday. <laughs> 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 but so the super interesting part of this was talking about his wife apparently they didn't mm. specify that yeah. cheryl was it because cheryl cheryl because mm-hmm. he's cheryl. never a wife or spouse or significant other or anything has never been mentioned for howard and to be honest i never noticed a ring until this episode i'm sure it was there before but i never noticed it now i want to go back and look yeah. at past right, episodes just right. to see if he's wearing a ring because until now like for the most part, Howard's just been this like Manichaean type of character. He's just been all face, no substance. For the most part, I, I just don't see depth to the character until this finally this one moment where we say, oh, he has a third dimension to him and mm-hmm. that's his home life. And so right, you could easily accuse the show of not giving him any character development until now. Not really. No, I mean, all we really knew about Howard was he was a lawyer and he was like an NPC. He's a lawyer. Until now. <laughs> I think with Howard, he has this public face where everything is hunky-dory and everything's fine and there's no problems at his home. Like, he's not going to come into work and talk about his home life problems. And as opposed to Chuck, who would come in and fucking talk about him all day long and tell all about his problems and everything. But did he, he never asked Howard, how's things at home? You know, like, I think, I think that's mm-hmm. part of it, too. No one ever asks Howard. But I think it's part of his, his facade. He's going to have a facade that he's going to put out and he's not going to talk about those kind of down things, which is why he goes to the psychiatrist. So we can finally let it out mm-hmm. and talk to somebody about it. Or maybe that's like really him though, too, which is really depressing. Maybe everything that we see about Howard is really him. And like the only character that he even has is, is the thing at home is, is his issues at home. The that's where thing. he get. that's where he actually lives. Well, his, his marital situation. <laughs> I thought you were referring to Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> Thing at home. That thing at home. <laughs> the, the wildebeest. Like, damn, living in I don't house. even know what she looks like. <laughs> I mean, if, if if it's even his wife, it could be a daughter. It could be his fucking maid. Mm. They don't. 
specify. Could be even a story, too. His maid. I have to go to my therapist because my maid is bullying me. (laughs) (laughs) She won't talk about anything important. Like, what kind of cleaning supplies she uses? I need to know these things. I have allergies. If it comes out that he has marital problems, then his dallying with the prostitutes looks even more likely, correct? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking they might have told us this about Cheryl because it may come out through Jimmy and Kim that he has marital problems in that way. That's why he's out partying. Or his partying is the cause of his marital problems, you know? Mm -hmm. Or Cheryl could be the problem, too. If in fact you Cheryl, Cheryl alone, Cheryl. Angel. Oh, what's your beef with Cheryl? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just just think about she it. She didn't though. throw Cheryl bowling ball through his car. Cheryl didn't do nothing to nobody. Poor Cheryl, <laughs> Angel baby Cheryl. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so but here's here's why i bring that up because we always want to think that howard is like the bad guy but like this is like the first time in in, in ever that i've ever actually felt bad for howard for just a second and i was thinking to myself but no he's the bad guy but then i thought okay dave flip the script what if he's actually kind of a good guy and she's the one with the that has that was um philandering on him and like he's trying to give it a second oh. chance, that sort of thing. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Like, give it to Breaking Bad slash uh, Better Call Saul, that that universe, to kind of flip the script on us. Like, who is the evil one? Who is the good one? Oh, you mean kind of like do they've done with Jimmy and everything? Completely <laughs> exactly. exactly. flipped it. Yeah, I want to say I don't think Howard's a bad guy. I just think he's an asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the suit that Jimmy was wearing. <laughs> was from uh, episode 104 Hero when he did the billboard, the JMM billboard. Oh, it's when um, he went and he was like, uh-huh. I'd like it in this fabric and, then- and the right, tie. Right, right, right. A special then, woven tie. Well, yeah, and the, and the mother of pearl yeah. studs. Yeah. yeah, what did he right. say? Like, don't chintz right. out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so in in that episode he went to mrs nguyen and had them do his hair with the ringlets and the beauty yes. on top yeah. yeah oh my goodness he didn't quite go that far this time he sprung for the wig instead like i literally <laughs> laughed out loud when i saw when he was walking when they showed him face on walking down the street with the spray tan and <laughs> it was so good oh it was so and good the- the like clear line down his neck where there's spray tan and then normal skin. It was just, it was so bad. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> oh my God. It was just, it was phenomenal. <laughs> like, it was and, and yet it was perfect. Epically right? bad. Yes. Down to the oh, eyebrows, yes. right? He, they, they lightened his <laughs> eyebrows a little too. Which is funny because when the thing actually happens, all you see is the back of his head. So do his eyebrows really matter? <laughs> He, yeah. that part. he was like, no, if I'm going to be he Howard, did. I'm going to be Howard. I mean, especially since you really, he's only going to be seen from a distance. And OK, so Wendy is our first Breaking Bad cameo. And that kind of puts to rest the Wendy is Kim. Kim is Wendy theory. <laughs> Thank God. How <laughs> people ever Yikes. came up with that? <sighs> Thank goodness. I also noticed that Kim is wearing a very Lalo-esque blouse. Very flowery, mm. very mm. busy. And, you know, normally she's she's very staid Muted. in her colors. Blue, white, 
yeah, like you said, they very beautiful, very understated in her clothing. Better but way. when she goes to meet Cliff, she's wearing this flowery, busy shirt that very much looked like something Lala would wear. Well, that's interesting that she would put on like a uniform to like do bad. You know, she'd be like, well, Jimmy wears really loud stuff and and Lala wore like a lot of flowers. I'm mm-hmm. going to like, I'm going to find my like bad uniform. <laughs> my bad uniform. <laughs> her, her villainous outfit. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when I saw her in that shirt sitting at the table, it looked very familiar. And I have this image in my head of her. I thought she had it on after her car accident when her arm was, I have this picture in my head of her wearing that shirt and a, and her arm slung mm. up. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Or something similar. The shirt that she's wearing is what they used in all the promos. So we've been seeing it for about six months now. So it might be where you saw it. Okay. But I mean, I'm not sure. I can, no, I can go back and, the shirt can go back and watch. So what did you guys think of the whole, when, when Kim and Cliff are sitting at, at the lunch and Jimmy comes by, what did you guys think of that whole scene? It's like perfect <laughs> execution. It was incredible. <laughs> it was... I, I thought the fish tailing out into the intersection and then like, it was like a little <laughs> over the top. No, they needed like, him to look. Isn't, isn't, isn't shoving the hooker out of your car and, and being like, what the fuck, you motherfucker, don't you owe me my... Like, is it... Like, I'm not going to make enough scene. But yeah, he's like... He's like, he peeled out immediately <laughs> when Kim said go, and I'm like, oh, oh, he's going like, all oh, okay, all right. <laughs> well, you know, driving a, driving a Suzuki Esteem gives you a lot of practice at handling a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It yes. Uh, it reminded me a lot of that first season with those two, the skateboard kids. Mm. You remember when they set up that thing where like they were going to scam that lady and she was going to hit the kid the and then he was going to come out and be like, mm-hmm. don't say anything. I'm a lawyer. Hi, I'm Saul. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> or hi, I'm Howard. I mean, I'm sorry. That's what he's going okay, for. So that reminded me a lot of that. So I liked that it was kind of like a callback to these like pre-planning mm-hmm. these like schemes. I mean, the execution was phenomenal. <laughs> I kind of wanted you to be able to see like a little bit of the like, but no, you literally just see the uh, hair in the car and that's uh, it. So yep. yeah, mm-hmm. he went overboard for absolutely no reason. <laughs> Jimmy's very method. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that at the end, when she's sure that Cliff has bought it, this, she can barely keep from smiling. Like she's, oh. she's just like, <laughs> like so oh she cannot stand it. I know. Seriously, Ray Seahorn needs all the awards, all of them. So good. So Cliff seemed to go for her pitch. pro bono pitch, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think that mm-hmm. she will ultimately try to call off the con in favor of taking Cliff's offer? <sighs> Funny you should say that. Because I looked something, I looked a couple things up from this episode before we continue. The motel that Kim drops off Wendy is called the Crossroads Motel. But wait, there's more. The restaurant is called the El Camino Dining Room. El Camino means path. So that, I thought that was also cool. Do you think that she might drop the con in favor of Cliff's offer? No, I don't think she will. I think Kim likes being bad <laughs> i think it really gets her uh gets her engine juice revving. It, her juices flowing <laughs> to put it crassly i guess um, so. i didn't think you would go there I, i'm kind of proud of you all right 
She said it, not me. Um, yeah, I did. <laughs> Don't I always say inappropriate shit? Yeah, it's hard to say because she finally got what she wanted, so she doesn't really need to go through with it now. But I feel like that will be the internal conflict for her, is the, I still kind of want to do this, even though I already got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So. Well, up until now, we've seen Jimmy be ex- is kind of... I don't know, do I really want to do this? I don't. And Kim is all gung ho for it. But what if they, as they're famous for doing, flip the script? And now Jimmy is the one that's gung ho for it. And Kim is the one that's like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do this. Because if you notice on the way after they're done and everything, Jimmy's in the car and he's got the music going and he's smiling and happy until he gets there and the cone is in the way. But I, I feel like maybe this has kind of booted Jimmy into the position where he's excited to be doing it. And now Kim may be on the other side of that. Yeah, mm. could be. Ultimately, that's not going to play out very well because we all know Kim wears the pants. But I mean, suffer the consequences if it's against yeah, Kim. <laughs> that's right. Might be, might be his downfall to go against Kimmy. If they keep being at odds with each other, well, where they're not entirely on each other's page, that might be detrimental to the relationship eventually, which mm. may be why she's not with him yet. The last time we saw them kind of running into trouble like that, they got married. So it's like, hard to say. <laughs> what are they going to do now? They're gonna they're, now they're going to have a baby. Let's have a baby. Let's have a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Things are going really bad right now. I think we should have a baby <laughs> for le- for legal purposes. For legal purposes. Yes. it's for a legal tax purposes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect con. Ooh, what? But you know what? You ask a really good question because when Mike is speaking to her at the end, he continuously refers to them as your husband, your husband. That really kind of got in my head. And it says more about Mike, but then it made me think, why did that make her feel more nervous? And then, like you said in the reaction video, at the end, she does what Jimmy does in the last season, which is not tell Kim the truth, the, the, the God's honest truth. So obviously there's a role reversal and we're at a crossroads and Kim can either fess up and they can go all in on their schemes or she can not tell him and move on to greener pastures. So I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. My feeling is that they're going to leave, that she's going to leave Jimmy in the lurch. And then he has already got the taste again of the con and he's just going to keep leaning in because as we've seen in the courthouse, that's his new life now that he's chosen the Salamanca's or chosen to be Salamanca's guy at this mm-hmm. point. And we know Breaking Bad. He was so upset that nobody would talk to him in the courthouse. Like, he, I felt like he was like the little boy at the lunchroom all by himself. Nobody would sit with him, you know? He's just being shunned. But then there's all these people that, that aren't shunning him, that love him. And, I mean, we know Jimmy wants to be loved. He wants to be accepted. And if he can't get acceptance from the courthouse and the people there, then he'll get it from his clients, regardless of who they are. Spooge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, on, not the character you just wanted to say that no no <laughs> he'll get love from Spooge. it's yeah that's right oh good redirect <laughs> that's one thing that actually got in my head though too because we see jimmy in breaking bad and he seems to be just fine in the courthouses not nearly the, and maybe it's just perception he doesn't care if these people love him and, and he still gets to do his job but i kept thinking while he was there alone i was like how are they going to actually get him to work or how, how does he ha- continue to have a relationship with everybody in the court at this point? Like he can have a career, but he won't get anything done. 
So like, I'm wondering what the turn is. How does that relationship between he and those people, not that they like him again, but that how they get it to work again. Well, my feeling would be that he goes about doing shit in the underhanded way anyway. So it's not necessarily that they work with him in any sense, but he, he has dirty workarounds. He'll take the shortcut and find a way to get around what they won't do. He's probably got blackmail on a few people. So he'll lean in. He'll double down. It's, it's also been several years. There's new people mm. in the courthouse. The same people don't mm. stay there forever. People come in and, and go out. So not everybody knows who he is and what he's done in the past. Because you got to remember, this is like three and a half years later when we see him in Breaking Bad. So. In the teaser for the next episode, they also showed that he rehired his assistant, I think it was. Francesca. Francesca, right. Francesca, so that maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe she handles all that. Yeah, she, but I, she's his secretary at the office. I don't know if she does stuff at the courthouse right. for him. So my feeling is, A, there's the same people are not at the courthouse after three and a half years later. And people have forgotten and, and like this is who Jimmy is. And he's probably done worse shit since then. <laughs> he just does dirty workarounds if, if they don't do what he wants them, what he wants them to do. One of the other things I loved is how oblivious Howard is to what he's doing. Like talk about the narcissist who moves the comb. He just walks right past, doesn't even look at where he's parked or anything. I just thought that was hilarious. Didn't notice the giant yellow lines he's walking across. When he got in his car... And it, it like didn't start for a couple of seconds. I was like, oh shit. He figured something out, but then it, it started right up and he drove out. Close call, but they did it. They pulled it off. And there was no mess up with the number four and five, which I was right. Really, I was really so worried wrong about, about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny? On second watch, you notice these dumb things. I know it's for TV. Nobody holds their keys. So it's like, you know, Jimmy's holding the keys. He's walking. You have the background shot of him walking like he's styling as Howard, right? But he held the key by the other end to show off the dangly fob, <laughs> the key fob. So I thought that was such a strange thing for somebody to do. But I, I know that it's for televisions to show that he has the thing in his hand. So, But like you notice these, these things that nobody does and it, it just kind of gets in your head. Like what? who holds keys like that? Strange. <laughs> he does. Me, I hold my keys like that. How dare you judge me? Right. <laughs> I'm Bridget. <laughs> Hi, I, I hold my keys. I hold by my keys like this. <laughs> I never lose them too. Do you think Ada Erickson intentionally spread the word about Jimmy, and did she embellish it? Because I'm sure people know Jimmy is a little shady, but all of a sudden they just believe the absolute worst about him. Everybody that he's talked to, everybody that he's worked with. For the past, what, year or whatever. Isn't that like confidential information? I mean, is that something ADA Erickson could just go spread around? I, I thought it was a little, a little odd that everybody just automatically believed the worst about Jimmy. Nobody said, hey, this is what's been said about you. Do you have anything to say about it or, or anything like that? Like everybody just automatically shunned him. She made it clear that Jimmy was representing Lalo, a.k.a. de Guzman, and then told everybody about the, the bail. Or is it just the Lalo reveal? I think the Lalo think, reveal is enough, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it would be, but I think that would, I mean, besides de Guzman actually being Lalo, it would be public knowledge that Saul is, rep who Saul is representing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not really mm -hmm. a secret. But for her to be like, oh, it wasn't really him, it was actually this guy. See, that, I mean, we know it's true, but technically it's speculation. But I think that was confirmed by like the FBI or something, because some group like organization in the U.S. is looking for him and is connected that he is Lalo, I thought. 
I think it was the FBI. Yeah, there's some brief mention, or, like or DEA or about something. How, that it like, was confirmed, not just like yeah. The, these two guys look an awful lot like yeah, we know we think well, it's him. Maybe that's the answer to the question I I was thinking of, like how it's possible that Jimmy can even work in this town again. But then I was thinking, okay, if he does lean into this life, then everybody knows that he's the Salamanca lawyer, and if that's the case, they wise up. But maybe they're hoping right now to reach Jimmy McGill and mm-hmm. he he kind of crumples under the weight of people not loving him or not accepting him as a lawyer, let's say. But maybe if he leans into Saul Goodman, then they kind of wise up like, oh, I don't want to piss off Saul Goodman too much. I actually, I actually struggled with why they were so angry at him. I struggled mm-hmm. with the whole idea because I was like, this doesn't even make sense, like in regards to the storyline, because in my mind, I was like, he just made that county seven million dollars. Yeah. What are people like, so pissed That money about? really came in. Like, I was like, the guy is gone and you've got $7 million. They're mad because he did that by scamming the judge and scamming the court, which he did because he gave him a fake address. He had the fake family there. It's not like he just used everyday regular tactics to get Lalo out. He, he actually mm-hmm. did scam everybody. But doesn't that just go to prove that they didn't do their due diligence? Those are their witnesses, too. They didn't bother to check their address. Well, I mean, it was a bail hearing, though. I don't it wasn't like a trial. It was just a bail hearing. A I don't point. know if there's I don't know enough about the legal world to know, if, you know, what the what the burden of proof is in like a fucking bail hearing. And well, not trial. for the bail, but like you would already start research, I feel like, into the going to trial. I would think before prisoners released, even on bail, they would verify the address that they're going to. Well, actually, yeah. And you know what? That would be the prosecutor's job, too. Mm-hmm. So he didn't do his job. Right. And so they're, they're right. shifting the blame on Jimmy. Instead. But it is it is extra crummy. Like, I mean, he's, yeah, he's doing he extra scummy shit. stuff. Right. Instead yeah. of right. using legal loopholes, he's actually going outside the law, essentially. Or, you know, he was pushed yeah. into going outside the law. Like Oakley said, there's proof and then there's knowing. You, yeah. We can't prove that you did it, but we know you did it. Mm-hmm. We're going to make your life hard. It just is weird <laughs> to me that they all immediately jumped to being mad, to believing the worst about Jimmy. She can't prove that Jimmy knew that he was Lalo. He thought it was Wanda Guzman. So for her to go and tell everybody in the courthouse that, oh, he knew this guy was Lalo, but not have any proof, is that something she could do legally no. without having the proof that actually no. that he... So she does the same thing. So wait mm-hmm. a second. Hold on. So she does the same thing in reverse to him, which kind of just goes to show that people are people, A, but... Yeah. We have to remember the conversation she tried to have with Kim earlier. Mm-hmm. Do you think everybody's mad because he did it or because he got away with it? Yes. <laughs> like how many people are like, damn, I should have thought of that. I feel like Oakley's a straight shooter. And I believe he was genuinely offended that yeah. Jimmy scammed the court. I believe there are a few of them in there that are genuinely offended that Jimmy would do that. But most of them are probably just mad that he got away with it. <laughs> well, and it makes you feel like, I guess you guys really didn't like him all that much to begin with. To be able to flip like that, like so quickly, like it's like, well, you had to have had something against him in the first place, which all of you made it very clear that you weren't friends with him. But I felt like there was always like this mutual respect of like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who's like going to work the system. Like, uh, that's what I felt. So I was a little disappointed that they were so quick. Mm -hmm. He's always had a taint on him from Chuck. Mm. I mean, he's always carried this slight taint on his name because of Chuck and, and then Howard. Plus, he got disbarred for a year. So maybe that makes people a little more disposed to believe the worst about him. Yeah, that's probably true. And he has pulled other stunts. Remember the one when he had the guy who testified about the guy that robbed the store? 
and he's he's like, yeah, it's that guy sitting oh. right there, and and yeah. Jimmy's like, no, it's it's not. You're my client sitting back there, you know. So I mean, I mean, he's he's already a got a reputation move. for pulling shady <laughs> that shady stuff. Yeah. So. That was smart, though. That I was smart. That. But that was like within the law. Clearly an uncredible witness. Yeah. You know? Clearly right, an uncredible right, witness. Right. Yeah, he's already got a reputation for doing shady shit. So that just kind of lent itself to people automatically believing it. I, I know that we've seen her before, but it bears mentioning that because since we're only just starting this podcast, the clerk, I think it is, is played by Nadine Marissa, who is Nabila on The Walking Dead, in case you missed it. Another Walking Dead connection. Really? Yes. Wow. Because she was she was in pr- prior seasons. Wow. But she looks you know. so different when she's not smiling. And she, yeah. <laughs> and she has makeup and glasses. And the big okay. old Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. <laughs> so, um, speaking of her, the Beanie Baby that Saul oh tries to give her is um, no possible thumbs. Is in the box of stuff that's labeled no value in the opening. <laughs> oh. Oh, our, be- our beanie baby collections are worthless. Oh, Sweet oh angel baby beanie no babies. No value. Oh god, <laughs> it hurts. There's also a little pile of beanie babies. As they pan through, there's a little pile of beanie babies on the table, and then they pan into the box, and then there's the owl beanie babies in the box. There's another thing in there too. It's a little black book. The first episode opener, right? As they pan across after the beanie babies, there's a guy who opens up a black book and kind of flips through the pages, and there's a couple of spots where you can freeze frame it but i couldn't get a good enough quality shot to read what was on it but what i'm thinking is kim and when she comes out of the diner and is goes up to the guys that are following her she takes out a little black book and is writing stuff down in it so i'm wondering if that is the same book that's in the box so our second breaking bad cameo is spooge 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 is everywhere in this episode yeah um so spooge of course is the meth head that Jesse, I forget why he goes to their house, but Jesse goes to their house and he, they've left this little boy there alone. So Jesse's playing peekaboo with the kid and trying to feed him and stuff. And the parents come home and they have a cash machine that they're trying to break into. And Spooge <laughs> keeps calling his girlfriend or wife, whatever, skank. And she's like, I'm a skank. So finally he's up <laughs> under the cash machine trying to break into it. He's like, you skank. And she goes, I told you I'm not a skank. And she pushes it down and crushes his head. <laughs> Hashtag Spooge. justice for Spooge. <laughs> who do you think uh spooge is with <laughs> his client um spooge and friend <laughs> spooge and friend. I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to know what his name is <laughs> in that scene as jimmy is escorting his shady ass clients into the back it cuts immediately to kim escorting her good clients out of the restaurant i just thought that was a neat type mm. crossroads mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. from the El Camino <laughs> diner. So she finally gets to meet Mike. I loved this scene so much. So well shot. This scene mm-hmm. was racy. Horn talked about it on the Insider podcast. And this was originally supposed to be shot outside. She wanted to do a scene that mimicked one of her favorite scenes from the movie Heat with uh, Robert De Niro and Amy Brenneman, where they focus on one person and then slide the camera over. And they wanted mm-hmm. to do that outside, but for different various reasons, noise, location, the fact that where they wanted to shoot didn't look anything like the outside of the diner that they were supposed to be standing outside of. <laughs> so they ended up doing it inside, which which still worked. It was still great. Worked really well. Jimmy earlier says to Kim that he uses the expression of the wicked flee when no man pursueth. And Jimmy's just saying, you know, Kim immediately jumps to you. You think we're wicked? 
she already has it in her head that she's doing something wrong. So there's like this duality of like, I know I'm doing something wrong, but I can't help myself. And so she, it doesn't help her. And Jimmy's like, just trying to tell, tell her, Hey, if you were doing something wrong, you'd be afraid. You're not doing anything crazy. You're fine. Well, what? but it doesn't reassure her. Clearly it doesn't reassure her. Mike has a mirror conversation with her in that respect. You know, she's, she's fearful. He's giving her everything to be fear, fearful of. But then at the end, he kind of says, you're made of sterner stuff. Jimmy and Mike are telling her the exact same thing. And she's still kind of afraid, but the show needs to tell you twice that these two people who of kind of like loyal hearts, I mean, I kind of consider Mike on the good side of things. And so like both people tell her this thing and she's still afraid. Clearly, I think it makes her feel better when Mike says it kind of reassures her that you are made of sterner, sterner stuff, but she's still kind of realizing that kind of like on the heels of our conversation about like, is what's Kim going to do with Jimmy in the end? It just keeps making me think like, you're right. What is she going to do in the end? And then being told that she's made of sterner stuff, what is she going to end up choosing? I just have the feeling that she's going to take it too far eventually is, is how I feel. And somehow that's going to be the breaking point between them simply because everybody's always assumed it's Jimmy you know, that Jimmy became Saul on his own or whatever. And I really firmly believe that it, Kim is going to be his breaking point. And I guess she's going to get over feeling like she's evil or whatever she ends up doing. Maybe she, she doesn't feel like it's evil. I don't, I don't know, but I feel like she's going to be the straw between them. Are you guys just like me in thinking that at any point in time, Kim can walk away and it's in some ways frustrating to watch her struggle with all this because she's been given what she's wanted on silver platter even further. And yet she may end up choosing maybe because of Mike, she has permission now to continue down this path. Yeah. When we were covering 602, I asked you guys if Kimmy thought Jim was weak. Do you feel that she does after this week? Well, she failed to share some pretty critical information with them. So Yes, ding, 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 I ding, feel ding. like she really does think that now. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I'm trying to think of other reasons why she wouldn't tell Jimmy that Lalo is alive. I don't know how not telling him would be protecting him in any way. Because I also don't see Jimmy, like, freaking out if he found out Lalo were alive. He might just be like, okay, well, shit, we need to, like, go back to the hotel and live there for a few days. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, hold on a second. Do you think maybe in the back of her mind... She's keeping it from him because she thinks he already knows that he's alive. And maybe this is another. I know I, I'm just kind of throwing it out there because it could be that like she's testing him again. Like, oh, is he going to tell me that he's alive? When is he going to tell me? Oh, I already know, Jimmy. I don't know. It hadn't occurred to me till you said it. I guess it could be possible since Jimmy just did all this bullshit for Lalo anyway, that it's possible Lalo could have reached out to Jimmy and been like, Hey, I, I don't, but I don't know why he would. No, no. I mean, right. But like for all Kim knows, right? Because Jimmy's lied to her before and kept things from her before. So it could be that Kim has this in her pocket to see if Jimmy's going to fess up and, and finally tell her. Kim is not stupid. She's no, always she's felt like he's been keeping things from her. Every time he's lied to her, she knows. Well, this could just be her like giving him a little jab back too. Like I, I know something in, that you don't, but it's, mm. it's far more dangerous for him not to know. But that's why I think she keeps it for him. But Mike made it pretty clear that both her and Jimmy are being followed. Right. So she knows that Jimmy's being protected, even though he doesn't know it. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe she doesn't have to be quite as concerned about his safety because 
He's got eyes on him all the That's time. That's a great point. You shouldn't know my my guys are behind you. So maybe it's for the best that Jimmy doesn't know. Because mm-hmm, then he can really act like they're not there because he really doesn't know. Point. Also, like, she might worry that telling him about Lalo being alive will send him back into the bad place that he was right there for a while. And mm-hmm. they're in the middle of the scam. She cannot afford to have Jimmy distracted mm-hmm. and lose his shit worrying about Lalo. But yeah. I really do feel that she feels that Jimmy is a little a little weak, and that is why she's not being fully honest with him. She feels that he just cannot handle it, and Mike kind of validated that feeling for her when he said that she was made of stunner stuff. I like that it was just a regular toilet and not a golden toilet sitting in the middle of the office. <laughs> Speaking of which, our third Breaking Bad cameo is The Office, the famous <laughs> Saul Goodman strip mall. The Office. Office. That's right. <laughs> So much personality, complete, the office. <laughs> complete with toilet sitting in the middle of it. <laughs> you were talking about the scene where Kim and Jimmy were on the bed together and he was telling her the story about pulling the sign up. The sign. <laughs> so this is a direct parallel to Cobbler. When she sat on the bed and they were eating and she said, I don't ever want to hear anything about these things again after he told mm. her about <sighs> fabricating evidence. So this mm-hmm. is a direct mirror to that where now she's sitting on the bed eating and he's telling her all about the scam he was running today and she loves it laughing Mm -hmm. yeah she's lapping it up too so this was some information from ray on the insider podcast there are several pieces of her art inside kim's apartment of Mm -hmm. course the ones we all know about are the bird paintings above the bed but she Mm -hmm. also has some that are hidden that like she's like you guys will never see it but they're there And one of them is a drawing that she did of a woman laying on the bed, on a bed. And that is the pose that she used in that scene was the same pose that's on that drawing. It's on a shelf between the living room and the bedroom as you walk through. She also requested that there be no personal pictures of Kim in the house with her mom or with her dad or anything like that. And that was a choice for Macy. Makes sense, though. That seems like a very Kim decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like she didn't really have the best home life. I think it was something about her mother and what she did to her yeah. or something. I can't remember the yeah. exact story she told well, last she was season. A drunk. They had to move from place to place all the time, one step ahead of the landlord. Right. And then they had the opener with young Kim where she was standing outside in, right. the, in the snow waiting for her mom. And she mom was, came and she was drunk and Kim walked home. This is what gets me to thinking that Sharon, you might be right about her leaning into her breaking bad moment. Cliff Main mentions his son has a drug problem, which raised my hackles about the possibility of Kim maybe exploiting this at some point in the future. Of course, it's mentioned in the context of like, this is the thing that gets her to have this position where they can rehabilitate people. But then I thought to myself, but what if she ends up using this in some fashion to get what she wants from such a decent kind of guy, essentially, mm-hmm. too? So uh, did you guys think that at all when you, when you heard that? I didn't. I mean, I really didn't. But that's a good point because I can see her getting to that point. Or maybe not her doing it, but getting Jimmy to do it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. If she just, like, says it out loud, Jimmy will eat that shit up mm-hmm. and spin right. it into a plan. He'd have to go through the looking glass, really, for him to be able to do that. Because it seems like, like you said, until now, he's been, I mean, even still, he still hasn't gone full evil, quote unquote, where he doesn't have any qualms about manipulating people. Like he's still kind of like, eh, I'm on the fence-ish, I'm enjoying this, but I don't Ish. see him reveling in it yet. I feel like at first Chuck was a restraint on him doing that. And I think right now Kim is a slight restraint, but I don't think that's gonna last. I think she's she's gonna 
uh, open up the floodgates. Oh, she's force, the guardrails. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I, she, I feel she, like she's the bumpers he's... in the bowling alley right now. <laughs> Kim. <laughs> Right, right and, and he's about to go. He's about to go bumperless, and uh, Kim's about <laughs> to open the gates for him to. I think mean, she's going to push him into it. Is, is I just feel like she's going to be the one to push him into it, to over the edge, to being fully on salt. Right, whether it's on purpose or it's going to break my heart when it happens. But the only other thing I wanted to mention because I'm a computer guy is how I love how accurate the LED screens were in the monitoring station for Fring's house. It was oh. Like, perfect era lcd screens the dell the old dell curved uh clunky lcd screens but here's the thing lcd screens weren't like typical of the era so those and this is just me they're super super expensive around that time so you can tell like obviously fring is well off it's like it's like the highest technology of the time and a lot of them which is not also not typical for the time you you may have had one Maybe two, maybe two if you were rich in like a stockbroker. In like 2005? Yeah, in 2005. I still had a CRT screen in 2005. That's how I guess I'm I don't. I guess I don't speak computer. <laughs> I don't, all of that was gibberish to me. I don't. Like, like a, a, you know, like a like tube the old TV. Is that what yeah, you're exactly. <laughs> like Do you ever, you never had one of those uh, tube monitors, the CRT monitors as a computer? A box one. A, a box box Like monitor. one of those big yeah. ass, yeah, big ass look like a, a little gateway. TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so them having those LCD screens was was top notch for the time. But I had a gateway in like 1998, <laughs> not 2005. <laughs> this goes to show that was my Dave talks technology for the day. <laughs> I was so glad to have a funny episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, hysterical. Needed it. I'm gonna say what I said after after our initial reactions. I am extremely disappointed that someone did not take Michael Mando's name out of the credits, <laughs> and my heart just about leapt out of my chest when I saw his name in the beginning. And like, I just waited like every moment, every scene change. I'm like, <gasps> I've maybe here. I feel like his <laughs> name's gonna be there for the rest of the season, and you're just gonna do it. It shouldn't every be time. though. It shouldn't be. It need they need to take his name out of the credits because. My stomach goes up into my throat every time. Maybe that's like a, a, a story device. They do that on purpose so you don't forget. Oh. oh who, how, who's going to forget? No, no. Well, I mean, you, you <laughs> could be accused of forgetting, but uh, you, they won't let you. I flashed back to after we lost Glenn on The Walking Dead and like the next episode, his name was gone from the credits. And that <gasps> made me cry all See? over again. Yeah. See, they did wrong. So, See, they did so, right now. But it was but it was confirmed he was not coming back. When I saw Michael Mando's name, I'm like, oh, and OK, to be honest, I thought, OK, maybe like a flashback scenario. Right. Like I didn't at that moment. I didn't think he was still I didn't think he was still alive until later. In the episode. <laughs> well, and that might happen before the end of the season, which might be why his name is still in the credits. Or it could have been a contract yeah. thing that he's like, you're still going to pay me for the rest of the season, even though you wrote off my character. Because, you know, AMC inked all those contracts with with Walking Dead people about mm -hmm. how they were going to, you know, for the three years or whatever. So maybe they did with that with Michael Mando, too. I don't know. It could just be an honor of his performance, mm -hmm. too. I mean, really, he deserves a title credit. I mean, if he's not going to get an award, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to hold out hope that we see him again before the end of the season. I even can, if I, I in can a see flashback. a flashback thing happening. I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah. I would be I can. so fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Howard was ta was started talking to his therapist about this dream he had. And and I, look, again, with the wife, quote unquote, you don't know. Maybe he's not married. Who knows? But 
maybe he was filling time for his therapist for some odd reason. Who knows? But let's just assume that he's being legit for a sec. What what do you think his his dream means? He's he's basically helping an old man get to his airport gate and he's trying to read the ticket for him, trying to take him to the right gate. And yet he's he's looking at the ticket and he realizes that he can't read or he can't even read the signs because it's a dream. And then I thought to myself, like, OK, this is what gave me a little <laughs> credence. Can't read the signs. He's helping, he's helping right Chuck there. to his inevitable death. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I was thinking he can't he can't see the signs that are right in front of him that Jimmy's fucking his shit up right now. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of where I wanted to go. And he's too narcissistic to actually even see that that's what the dream means, let's say. But then also, like, there's just on the face of it, he's trying to help an old man, a nice, a good gesture to do. And yet he, too, is helpless. And so I feel like whatever Jimmy and mm. Kim are up to, he's going to fall for it hook, line, and sinker. But the outcome may even be worse than Jimmy and Kim even imagined, which is typical mm. <laughs> for the Breaking Bad mm. universe. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah, I could see that. The thing that they're doing doesn't even involve Howard falling for anything. It's Cliff. They need Cliff to fall for it and believe mm -hmm. all this stuff about Howard so that there's repercussions to that. Like if it's coming from Cliff, Howard, I, I don't know how he doesn't suspect Jimmy or maybe he does. And just he's like, what the fuck can I do about it? Like, how do I, you know, but I have to think yeah. that part of Jimmy and Kim's plan involves Howard figuring out that it's them doing it because they're not stupid either. And they know that Howard mm -hmm. isn't stupid. But on the other hand, we've personally seen how fucking oblivious Howard actually is. Because mm -hmm. like it's like we were talking about him walking out. He's just oblivious. Mm -hmm. On the heels of him being oblivious, maybe he catches wind of something. Maybe what the unintended outcome of Jim and Kimmy is that Howard breaks bad eventually after being fucked with, which Ooh. would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. And, and Howard you know turns into Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> oh i want them to be together now fuck cheryl fuck see you guys were defending cheryl at first <laughs> what a good note to end on cheryl's a saint <laughs> and wendy wendy's kind of sweet too like you notice like near the end of it it's kind of sweet moment to be seen she and kim she she's sweet. cracked out of her mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah she's gross Ugh. so <laughs> So if you're gonna if you're gonna rate this podcast, all we need is five stars and a case of root beer. Yes, <laughs> case of root beer. Mm. I'm just trying to get a root beer. I already put two quarters in. I'll get you a little case of root beer at Randy. <laughs> but yes, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com/slash/walkingdead. Five stars and eggplant or root beer is all you need to is all we need to let us know that you love us. But if you really like what we're doing. You can always head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead and just follow us. You don't need to buy us a coffee or a tip or a donation. Do you buy me don't a root have... beer though. Yes. They yeah, are do delicious. That. Yeah, do that. Or, or cream, or cream <laughs> and soda don't if you move like the us. cones. And yeah. <laughs> don't move cones. Exactly. All you got to do is follow us. <laughs> but if you feel interested in joining one of our recording sessions or getting the unedited version of this podcast, which you're going to want to do for this one. You can either tip us or buy us a coffee and get 30 days of access to our supportive back content, or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month and get all that at the base level for absolutely free year round for only $12 a year, uh, which includes this court access. So you can talk to us about the things you loved and what you didn't like and the things in the episodes that you really liked, the episodes of Better Call Saul, and then also the Walking Dead universe as well. So with that, you guys do the outro. 
I'm Bridget, and this has been. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Bridget. Thanks for watching. Wait, I'm Rachel. You're not Bridget. That's really weird. (laughs) Speedy confusion for you. (laughs) I'm Saul Goodman. I fight for you. <laughs> you were joined by hosts Sharon DK Blazing Gardner, Rachel, Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, and Bridget. Br- I'm Bridget, ex Prophecy Girl on Twitter. <laughs> peace. I mean, peace. Or, be- or better Dave. call Bridget. This is for the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> I want pancakes. Oh, sweet angel baby Dave. <laughs> That's, that's the new peace sign. Yeah. Peace. Happy happy Cinco peace. to Cinco to Drinko to you folks. Have a good one. Take care. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Don't move the cones. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Better Squawk Saul, our coverage of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Survivor's Tier member, Bridget, ex-Prophecy Girl on Twitter, and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram. And if you made it to our sixth episode of Better Squawk Saul, covering Better Call Saul's seventh episode of the sixth and final season, titled Plan and Execution, you were also joined by Aiden Atkin, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and at Aiden the Raven on Twitter. If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Leave us five stars and an eggplant to let us know that you love us, but we're going to need a little bit more than that from you guys, because Better Call Saul, that's a new thing for us. We want to know what you liked, what you didn't like, whether we should just stick to the Walking Dead universe, or if you want much more of this to come, use it as a means to communicate your desires after every episode. And if you leave your social media accounts, we will tag you when we post this review on social media. And if you really, really want to be involved in how these episodes shape out. You want to support the podcast? All you need to do is create a free account on ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy us a coffee for 30 days of supporter-backed content, which includes the ability to download our unedited episode recordings or stream them. You don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month, which includes Discord access, as well as a whole host of baseline perks. All you got to do is follow us. It lets you know when we record, when we drop our unedited episode recordings and when we think of a new idea that we want your feedback on it's the only place we post these things we don't post these things on social media and speaking of membership tiers we'd like to thank both our survivors and whispers tier members in that order among them include of course bridget x prophecy girl on twitter and ain't my first rodeo on instagram who joined in these episode breakdowns as well as at eliza jones 71 on instagram and at jones aj6 on twitter at real ryan gm on twitter jasmine at jasmine IAC on Instagram, and of course, fanartlindy, ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy. And let's not forget our Whispers tier members, who include, of course, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and at Aiden the Raven on Twitter, at RitasFan2 on Instagram and Twitter, at J13Voorhees on Instagram and Twitter, at Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, at FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, at TylerPhilipCox on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, at Judith.Morton on Instagram. I'd like to thank you very much for making it to the very end of this podcast and for always listening to Squawking Dead. We hope you're enjoying this and we'll see you in the next one. 